0: G'day everyone and welcome to the Beyond 90 podcast episode 60 by the way we're incrementing up towards well maybe a hundred like Sam Kerr will eventually be when we come to the Matildas versus the Republic of Ireland. I don't know if people knew that but that will be if she takes the field that will be her 100th match. My name is Cheryl Downs, I'm your host tonight. Co-hosting with me today is Eric who is Doing pretty well, I hope, in lockdown at just a bit of deja vu, but we're getting towards the right numbers of vaccinations. G'day, Eric. Hi. Oh, there you go. Yes, cool. I am.
1: And uh, sorry.
0: I was going to say, Eric's full of words. No worries. And we've also got a very special guest tonight, and I hope you're all really interested, I'm sorry, because this is leading into a very special event coming up in, and I haven't calculated my days, but a little over a week, the Women in Football Leadership Conference for 2023, sorry, 2021, which gives us a vision of what we're going to look like in 2032. We have... Kerry Harris, who is the Women in Football Leadership Working Group Chair. I've probably just mucked up your title already, but I'm very fortunate to work with Kerry on a couple of different things, and particularly in regards to this conference, Kerry's been doing an amazing job and hopefully getting lots of registrations. We've got some great speakers as well. Kerry, welcome. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks, Eric. I'm, I'm really pleased to be here.
0: Uh, well, we're glad because we get to ask all the questions leading up to the conference to hopefully get as many as people signed up for it. It's not a conference where there'll be bums on seats necessarily because anyone can join from around the world. Can you give us a, a brief overview of what that looks like for starters?
2: Sure. The, the idea for the conference came from learning that um, on the 24th of September 1921, was the first game of women's representative football played in Australia, and it was the first public match. So it was the Reds versus the Blues held on um, the grounds of the Gabba in 1921. And so we learned that that was happening. Um, what Football Queensland are going to do with that sort of um, history is they're having a 100 year celebration of women's football this year. And it's culminating with uh, an event on the 24th of September So women in football, um, women on side, you know, sort of our, one of our goals is to increase the opportunities for women's football, but also more importantly, women in football. And it got us thinking, well, that's a hundred years, but what does the future look like for women and girls in football? And we know that the Women's World Cup is coming up in, in 2023. We've got the Brisbane Olympics in 2032. And we thought, what does football look like for women and girls in 2032? And so to answer that question, we thought let's, let's hold a conference and let's, let's tie it in with those 100 years of um, celebrations of women's football. So originally we were going to be live face-to-face in Brisbane and however COVID got in the way. And so we decided to change it to an online format the day before. So it'll be held on the 23rd of September from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. and it'll be completely online. So that means anyone from anywhere around the world can join us. Everybody is welcome. And you're right, um, Cheryl, we do have an amazing lineup of keynote speakers. We have Moya Dodd, who um, is just the doyen of, of women's football in Australia. She's a former Matilda, a vice captain of the Matildas. She was um, deputy chair of the Asian Football Confederation. She was on the FIFA executive. Um, she's just, you know, every, everywhere in football. Our second keynote speaker is Jane Fernandez. So, um, everybody will remember the famous leap, <laughs> Jane's leap, when we won, um, won the, uh, the bids to, to host the World Cup. So, she's the Chief Operating Officer for the 2023 uh, World Cup. And she'll be speaking to us about the World Cup and, and, and what that means for women and girls. And then um, our, our um, coup for the, for the conference is securing Bev Priestman as uh, the head coach of the Canadian uh, women's national team and a gold medal winning coach. She'll be our third keynote speaker. So we've got an amazing lineup of speakers. So they'll, they'll, they'll speak on, you know, the sort of the future of football for women and girls. Um, we're also sort of that topic of the great transformation does women what does football look like for women and girls in 2032 and then post the keynotes we will break out into breakout groups um, and we've got some fantastic group leaders who will host those breakout groups for us and we'll pose some questions around the future of football for women and girls
0: So one of the things that I was thinking about was who is the conference intended for? And I think it's really broad, but correct me if I'm wrong, I think that you don't just want one pocket of people who are really high up in their experiences and leadership and whatever it might be because then you only get one lens of what the future could look like we actually i would imagine want people who are you know juniors and, and less experienced to come in and to provide their thoughts around what that future could look for as well because it's their future it's not the future of the people who have been leading it to that point they need to have all the ideas and thoughts from everyone around so i, I from my perspective i would certainly encourage if you're a coach of a you know a top tier team absolutely love to see you there if you're a coach of an under 9s young kids kind of team, love to see you there as well. Not just coaches, but referees starting their journeys, referees who are already amazing. It, you know, does it does it stop anywhere, Kerry? Is it really for everyone?
2: It is for everyone um, because, and that's what Women on site is about. It's, you know, women in football everywhere, but this conference isn't just for women either. We want the blokes to come along as well because we want to hear from all the voices in football. And you're right. We're we're asking people to think out to 2032, So if you think of someone who is 15 now, they'll be 26 in 2032, 26, 27. So um, we are looking for all of those voices involved in football and we are asking people to think uh, from a blank piece of paper with an unconstrained point of view, what does the future look like? And it can be anything. So we're not putting any constraints on our discussions. It is really very much about what's going to be in there in the future. And we want to hear from all the voices in football.
0: Maybe to predict the future a little bit, Eric, what do you think? will come about in 2032 or what do you expect to see? Obviously, you've got great experience in and around the Matildas, but also at a a local level in New South Wales with the NPLW and maybe beyond that as well. Is there anything specifically that you see that I I don't know if you're going to the conference or not and that's okay, but we're trying to get some free advice here from you as well?
1: Um, Just hoping... Kind of the trends, at least in my particular part of Sydney, with regards to participation numbers locally, that COVID, you know, wanted, as we all know, kind of got in the way, but things were track tracking, and I hope, I'd really like to see that continue, because there's a lot of uh, clubs really uh, making some good steps, both at a local level and even NPL, so, I mean, it's kind of an open secret that uh, the NPL New South Wales Second Division will be expanding and gaining four new teams next year, which is great for you know those who may those players who may want to uh, say test themselves at a level above park football. So just more like that, more uh, participation opportunities at what you may call the base of the pyramid, because that really that's where it all begins.
2: I agree with you, Eric. Um, um, if we're going to increase our participation, we've got to increase the pipeline. And so when you increase your participation, particularly, you know, if we're talking about participation as players, then around the players, you need all of the support networks. So you need referees, you need coaches, um, you need facilities, you need a whole range of things to support the players through their their journey, whether that's, um, you know, playing park football or whether it's playing football at the elite level. Um, You know, if we're going to drive those participation numbers up, then we need a system around them that's going to support them. And so that everybody can reach their potential, I think, and whatever that potential looks like. So um, I I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Participation um, is is a key driver. And Kerry, you've got
0: an incredible pedigree as well. I didn't jump into it right at the start of the podcast because I kind of wanted it to flow a little bit, but you talk about, you know, the amazing people that we've got coming in to speak to us. Your your background is quite amazing in itself. I'm fortunate to work together with you a little bit in Women On Side, where you are the company secretary. But you're also a CPA fellow and highly experienced sports administrator as well as a former football player. I'm not sure where you played on the football field and how good you were if you had a good left foot or a right foot. If you had a good left foot, you'll be an honorary member of the Beyond 90 um, squad somehow. <laughs> Uh,
2: My football career started in goals, actually. Um, So I was a goalkeeper for the first 10 years of my career. And then I saw the lights and (laughs) made my way onto the field, um, starting out as sweeper, then working through central defender into central midfield. So um, I've been involved with football for nearly 40 years now as a player, as an administrator, um, both a volunteer administrator and a professional administrator. And um, I can thank my mum for my involvement in football. As a 17-year-old, she, um, you know, she needed some players on her team. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll give it a go. And the rest, they say, is history. So in terms of my career, I've represented um, Western Australia as a goalkeeper for five years. Wow,
0: that's, that's awesome. And congratulations to your mum as well for getting you out there. And and it all comes down, or it doesn't all come down to, but it really is about what you can see out there. And Mm. if you can't see it, you can't be it. Um, Kerry, we haven't finished with the this is your life part of the segment either, but you've held professional roles in football, AFL, gymnastics. You worked... For the 2007 World Swimming Championships, I don't know if there was a football involved there, and the Australian Sports Commission, you run your own consulting business with clients in sports and in the not-for-profit sector. You've held a range of governance roles in football, and that's where I really see you demonstrating your amazingness, if that is such a word, but including you are a recent member of Football Federation Australia's Finance Order and Risk Standing Committee, which I don't know, to some people might not sound like flavor of the month, but all of those governance sort of bits enable people to get on the field and play the game of football that they love. So it is incredibly important. Uh, Beyond that, it still doesn't stop there. You've had prior roles as a director and treasurer of the former Women's Soccer Australia, which was a little way back. I can't remember exactly when. Um, And you've had loads of experience in working in and amongst football, particularly um, for me, I Find it quite exciting that you were volunteering back in the 2000 Sydney Games as part of a liaison manager with the USA team, who ultimately didn't win, which is Mm -hmm. a surprise to many because they seem to be so prolific in in winning. Maybe not the last one either, or the one before that, but they win a lot. Um, And you're also a a volunteer board director for volunteer. Sorry, Volunteering Australia and CPA, Australia, Victorian Divisional Counselor. So you've got a huge amount of pedigree. But what I love is that you still have that deep grassroots passion. It's not just at the top of what's going on and, you know, how we can make policies and documents to look at football differently, but it's to enable football to still be almost as pure as what it could be and just wrap the paper around the outside, but just let people play football.
2: Mm hmm. Well, thank you for the (laughs) review of my CV. I
3: (laughs) um, I feel
0: pretty chuffed that we get to have people like, because you would know, I mean, some of the things that we see in football today, they're not new things. They've been there for a while and we may have tried to fix it yeah, or not fix it, but we may have tried to improve it one, two and three ways. And and they may have been X amount, of, you know, percent successful, but there's still a long, an amazing long way to go. I'm not having a go that we're not there yet. It's more, yeah, it's amazing. And the game is still growing, but I'm really mm-hmm. interested in your thoughts around how the game is going and what coming out of this conference, what success looks like.
2: So I'll touch on the, I guess, the, the football journey and and sort of governance around that. And I really liked what you said is you can't be what you can't see. And so when I started my football journey, I, um, I didn't know there was a national team and I didn't know there were national championships. I didn't have any role models. The only role models that I could see were men, um, you know, male football players. So. I think we've come an incredible way. When I first was on the board of um, the Australian Women's Soccer Association, that then became um, Women's Soccer Australia, um, the national team players had to pay to represent their country, and um, you know we weren't part of any sponsorship deals where that you know we got Nike tracksuits for everyone and that sort of thing. So I think the incredible progress of women's football over the last 20, 30 years has been fantastic. I still think we do have a long way to go. Um, Sometimes when I give um, public talks and I ask people to think about um, women and, you know, boys and girls, men and women in sport, I ask them to close their eyes and to do a visioning exercise. And I say, you're down the park on a Saturday morning and you're watching a bunch of kids play football. And then I ask them to open their eyes and I say, how many of those kids playing were boys? And in the early days, nearly all the hands went up and there were very people, very few people that imagined girls playing football. And now when I ask that same question, it's almost 50-50. So that yep. when it becomes embedded in your psyche, I think that's when you're winning, when it just becomes the way we do things around here. So for me, I think that there's been um, you know, huge strides. I think there's a long way to go I still think that the system is gendered and we need to um, have a look at that and look at at the opportunities and how the system is designed to be able to provide opportunities for all and for um, everybody to reach their potential whatever their role that is in football we would like to see everybody reach their potential um, and and strive for what they want so in terms of what does success look like for the conference I think I come back to that, that opening statement around we want everyone to think from a blank piece of paper. So we know the barriers. We've talked about them for a long time. Um, we know um, where people have come from and we know what their aspirations are. But what we're looking for is that, that visionary thinking. What does football look like for women and girls in 2032? What's that unconstrained thinking? You think about um, electric cars. They were barely around 10 years ago. In 10 years time, we will have driverless cars, no doubt about it. So what does football look like in 2032? And it's not an end game there either. Where do we launch from from 2032? How do we maximize um, the World Cup in 23? How do we maximize the Olympics in 2032? And how do those events create legacies for women and girls in football? So for me, what success is, is that we have engaging conversations, that we have people who think, um, you know, unconstrained and they think what is possible. They don't think what's, what's impossible, but they think what is possible. And if you can think it, then I think sometimes you can do it.
0: Yeah. That, that sounds beautiful to me. And one of the things that resonates is how you say that football is gendered. And we've got an example here in Eric, who is such an advocate for women's football that, you know, it doesn't mean it's gendered in terms of who watches it or who's interested in it. It means, you know, the, the, the pathway, the structure, those kind of things, whether or not it's Media representation or, or whatever it may be, I think all of that has gendered. But when you also talk about we want to make things better, I don't think making things better necessarily just means we're making it better for women and girls. We're actually making the game of football better. Mm-hmm. And that benefits ultimately women and girls and men and young boys as well. It's it's not a we make it better and only for us. It ultimately becomes better across the board. Eric, I'll throw to you, I don't know if you've got any other questions or just to um, say more about what you think might be beneficial across the board.
1: Um, I'll show you. I was a bit curious, Carrie, about um, how some, how did it happen that you became the liaison manager for the U.S. team for the 2000 Sydney Olympics? It was something I was thinking of because we're going to need 32 of them in two years. So mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like how, how does it happen? And um, do you get to pick the country you're assigned to?
2: Um, how it happened was I was on the board of um, Women's Soccer Australia at the time. And so SOCOG put the call out to, um, to Women's Soccer Australia and said, we're looking for liaison officers. And we had the opportunity to put our hand up. We had to apply. We still had to go through the process. So, um, But it was through our involvement with the board of Women's Soccer Australia. And yes, you did get to put in a request. Mm-hmm. And I did choose the USA. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to get them. Mm. They're an interesting, interesting team to work with they were really um, focused and really committed and they went into those games expecting to win gold. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. I was with the team for four weeks.
0: That does sound like a fantastic experience. You didn't get to run on the field with them at any point in time and show them how you've progressed from goals all the way through midfield <laughs> and, and hopefully getting up to that elusive striker position. But, yeah, that, that all sounds terrific. I think for me, I mean, the, com- the conference is an absolute no-brainer Um, For anyone that's listening to the podcast or watching us at the moment, it's really and I'm not trying to do a sales pitch because I'm actually doing it more for your benefit, the listeners, than for anyone else. You get to be there, you get to listen to some amazing speakers who I'm sure will have a great range of topics, but it's, it's really cheap when you think about conferences and how much they can cost, I mean, thousand dollars for some conference couple of hundred for some conferences this one is is really cheap um and i think if you're a women on side member it's kind of even cheaper just just join up to women on side again i'm not trying to spook it i, I want to um you know be as unbiased as possible but I, I think the opportunity just lends itself to people jumping in and having a listen um, and just being able to have someone like bev priestman talk about the experience that she's had in and I don't know the content of do you know Kerry maybe that's too early to ask
2: do you know specifically what Bev is going to talk about? Mm -hmm. We've asked her to talk we've given her two topics so one of them is what does the future of women football look like for women and women and girls or the other topic is the great transformation so she's able to choose Um, so she'll be sharing with us her personal thoughts um, around those two topics and how we're going to round out the conference as well is um, at the end of the conference, we're going to run a pledge event. So in my mind, the conference is nothing without a call to action at the end or a pledge to do something. So we will um, we'll be doing... a So we're going to be asking people, what is the one thing that you can commit to to making a difference that could have a measurable impact on the future of um, football for women and girls? So I'm really excited by that. And for me, what does success look like? is what we're going to do with all the pledges that we receive, we're actually going to put them into a digital pledge book. And if we could follow up with those people in 12 months' time and say, how did you go with your pledge? And we've we've got everyone saying, I, I, I made it happen, then I'd, I'd be one very happy person.
0: Yeah, that sounds amazing, Kerry. And I'm also interested from the perspective, and I don't know whether or not Bev will give us that opportunity, but to listen to how... Canada is doing things differently to any other nation around the world. I've got friends in Canada, I know that they have said that their their grassroots program, and they might have gaps in there, I'm not sure, but they get kids out there playing football so early. And it seems to be just in terms of the volume of kids going out there and having fun and, and making it fun for children, but then making sure that we connect the the different levels of football as well. So it's a full pathway, but Mm -hmm. I'm very much looking forward to it, Kerry. I think you've been doing an amazing job and I very much look forward to the conference next Thursday. If I haven't already said it, or if Kerry said it, we'll say it again. So next Thursday, September 23rd, between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. We'll make sure that the link is in the show notes, which will come out tomorrow. If you're listening on Facebook or watching on Facebook, you should already have a link to that. And if you want it before I send it out, head off to Women On Side and go off and you should be able to find the Women in Football uh, Conference link. There without any problems whatsoever. Kerry, thank you very much for your time on the podcast today. Eric and I are going to keep talking about more football, but we will let you go right now. I appreciate your time, and look forward to seeing what happens with the conference.
2: Thank you both. I'll um, yeah talk to you soon. Bye.
1: All right, bye. Thanks, Kerry.
0: All right, that was really good for me personally to hear about the the conference. I am helping out and doing little bits and pieces on the side, but the amount of work that Kerry's been putting into it, it'll be a terrific event. I'm sure we'll see some of our mates there, like Lee McGowan, who will be part of that historic event as well. I think on the Friday, Football Queensland are putting together a bit of, not necessarily fun, but a, a bit of remembrance and maybe there'll be a kick of the ball as well. Eric, we won an award this week.
1: We did. And that was nice to hear. I didn't it know was. we were, I didn't, was there a nomination? Did someone tell you beforehand? Cause I was, I'm surprised.
0: Well, Eric, uh, Eric told me, Stefan told me, I don't know if Stefan mm. will turn up later, but uh, uh, so the award yeah. that we won was the women in football Oz inaugural media mm. award, which was really lovely for us to receive as a team. I don't know if everyone realizes that we are all volunteers. There are so many people that, come together to make Beyond 90 what it is, the content producers, the people in the background. So Michael does all of our graphics and does an amazing job. So we're really chuffed to receive that award. We don't actually know who nominated us. I will put my hand up and say I was going to nominate us, but I don't think I got around to it. And if I did, I'm sure I didn't do a good enough job to actually receive the award. So thank you to whoever it was that nominated us. Thank you to Women in Football Oz for actually running the award process. And thank you to the New South Wales government, who I understand are contributors in the award in some which way. Congratulations also to the other award winners. I think there was one award for volunteer and there was another award for something else. I'm sorry, but we'll share the show notes on that as well so people can see. But from us, we'd like to say thank you for, for reading what we what we write, for listening to the podcast and for just being a fan of football, which makes it easy and fun for us It's been a big week in football, as I always love to say, but one of the biggest things that's happened this week is not only the award for us, but also it's been announced which team is jumping into the W League from this season coming on.
1: Yes, and finally, and um, you mentioned Mick, which was great because Mick has kindly provided us graphics for the W League's 10th team, Wellington Phoenix. And I am really looking forward to seeing what they bring to the competition. Uh, Thank you for putting these notes in so I could uh, uh, remind myself of what this means. So no more buys, which I think is something we're all excited about. And then effectively, the total number of W League games goes from 57 to 74. Uh, We're putting our faith in whoever it was that did the maths. Uh, um, As part of the deal, at least seven players must be Australian which, and so that, that's, that must've been one of the things that, you know, they had to be negotiated and it's a partnership between Wellington Phoenix and New Zealand, the New Zealand football federation and big news as our Annalie Longo is now the New Zealand football women's development manager. So uh, there was uh, that announcement when victory said she would not be coming back for this season, but it's fear not uh, Annalie Longo, definitely not lost to the game. And I, I assume she'll be a phoenix player you would think so so i mean but even if she's not she's doing great things for football in new zealand which uh, of course we love to see um so yeah that was uh, wellington phoenix so basically um more signings to get uh and, and a whole nother squad to get excited about it. and for me personally like as it looks like they might be based in new south wales for at least part of the season more games that i can uh get uh attend hopefully
0: and maybe get a jersey as well. I'm not sure. So what it means well, is that there'll be an extra round. So it goes from 14 rounds of football, 12 games per team. I think mm-hmm. I'm doing my math right. Mm-hmm. And it will go an extra round means it will be 15 rounds of football mm-hmm. plus an extra. I think there was an extra finals match, wasn't there? Uh, so there it's was actually, a, an,
1: It's an extra week, but it ends up being this. Oh, no, no. It is an extra finals match. You're right goes from three
0: so it'll be three to
1: four it goes from three to so four so yeah.
0: 15 rounds of football plus the some sort of semi-finals plus mm. a final which takes mm. us to 17 mm. plus that extra bit yeah. which is maybe mm. 18 weeks of football which I think you know whilst it's not a full at home and away season I, I can see the benefits to having more football because it mm. elongates our our season and that maybe makes it more attractive to to some players as well, instead of just coming over for a quick little run. It also potentially makes it more difficult as well with us being a little bit longer.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least you don't have that buy, so you don't have that week that always, I mean, always feels a little bit wasted. So I think that the removal of the buy is a massive thing.
0: Yeah. Um, so more news that's happened this week. The PFA have announced the latest CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement. Um, I'm not going to go into the detail, but what I will do is point everyone to a, a piece that Sam Lewis wrote, which is really detailed, gives all, all the all the bits and pieces and information. But a couple of tidbits, I suppose. The, um, the salary cap, I think, has been increased. The base salary has actually been increased as well to uh, support the players more, Professionally, I, I think they will have somewhat more equal access to the training and the medical and, and those sorts of things too. So very important for the players. I think it's been lauded pretty well. We don't have Raleigh on the pod tonight, but I know that Raleigh does work together in some of those calls with the PFA and probably on this CBA. She never tells us the ins and outs. We never ask her, and, and it's not our business. Um, signings, plenty of signings this week, as always, for the W League. We're keeping our page up to date, but Eric, Eric, I haven't done the latest one that you said. That's around the world signing. But is there a signing from the week for the dub that's been exciting for you?
1: You, you know what you want me to say. So I, I kind of joke that I only remember one signing. So it's great. It is, firstly, great to hear that that my favourite futsal superstar and backheel specialist, Tori Tumuth has signed on for, I think, a two-year deal with Mel- Melbourne City. They're looking to have a pretty decent... Um, uh, backline, at least, because there was also the announcement of Naomi Thomas Chinema, who was very impressive. As only seventeen years old, still I think. So you got a lot of youth: um, Tumith, Thomas Chinema, Caitlin Torpy, who's come down from Brisbane, and Chelsea Blissett, who I spoke and about in the earlier pod. Yep. And then that's the thing: the youth with the experience of Checker and Rebecca Stott. That looks. Yep. That looks very good. Uh, like, and that's a great um, base. So hopefully they can. If I mean, if they. If they can get midfield and a front line to match that, then it'll be back to the uh, Melbourne City that um, we're familiar with. And that, you know, perhaps back to the Melbourne City that some people dislike because they want everything.
0: Yeah. And I did get a, a big signing from New Zealand for their forward line as uh, well. Oh, so- yes. They did, um, yeah. but there are plenty of signings around yes. the place as well in other yeah. teams. So I think Sydney yeah. have got a full squad of 21, 21. players yeah. now.
1: I'm trying to – oh, by wow, Hannah Wilkinson, I believe I saw on her social media once she was um, descending, going downhill on a bicycle and got down, got up to 84 kilometres an hour or something like that, so she won't like bravery. I bit I'm not <laughs> familiar with her – football as such but if she can do stuff like that I mean I imagine she'll put herself about on the field at least so who is I'm just trying looking through our squads page to remind herself who was from the last week uh, as you know I love an NPL signing so Rhea, Brisbane Roar signed Ria Kitano a Japanese player who was playing with Gold Coast United where she was teammates with Ayesha Nori who's back in the W League and signed
0: so, for Brisbane. someone else though Ayesha Nori
1: is Brisbane She's, okay. All she's right. Brisbane. So, yep. So, and I mean, and if she's anything like uh, the quality that uh, Maria Lecker showed last season, then that, that's another great signing. I believe she's a midfielder. At least that's what I put down in the squads page. So, yeah, another, another NPL signing. Um, Canberra United, apparently, two more signings to be announced tomorrow morning and Thursday morning. So, we'll wait to see who they are. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, in the so last Canberra, week.
0: Canberra is one of the squads that doesn't have a lot of players signed right that is now. True. But one player that they have signed recently, I think, was it just this week gone by? Was Alira Toby? That is, yeah, For big me, signing. He didn't didn't get enough game time in Mm. Sydney. I know that you and I had messaged in our Slack channel to say that, well, you know, at the expense of who else would you bring Alira Toby on? But I think she'll get a great run. I think she'll play really well with Michelle Heyman. So I'm looking forward to Canberra continuing to build Mm. their team. I think the more numbers that we see coming from them, the better, because apart from the brand-new Knicks who currently have no coach, no goalkeepers, no defenders, no midfield, no players whatsoever, Canberra are lagging a little bit. So the yes. more players that get signed up, the more you wonder, well, who's going to be left? And there's plenty left at the moment. So oh,
1: there's still a lot left, do um, I don't know if we ever mentioned – did we mention – this is not a recent signing, but Newcastle Jets – went outside of their usual methodology to sign Lucy Johnson from South Melbourne. So from NPL Victoria. So that's an interesting one, apparently like highly rated by our own Molly Appleton. So I'd be interested to see how she goes at Newcastle. Yeah. I think that we forgot that. Oh, news out of Perth, nothing new, but apparently they got three more coming when Alexa Apakis was interviewed uh, in the past week and two of them are international apparently. So yeah. something to keep an eye on the team in purple.
0: I think the other thing that's interesting is that as soon as they get their squads announced, it's really good because you can start training as and, as yes. a squad. Sorry, yeah. not speaking yeah. very well, but mm. um, it's certainly – it doesn't mean that they're not trialling and the other clubs that have mm. only got four players like Canberra. It doesn't mean that they're not doing anything, mm. but the more or the faster that you can lock that in, the better. We're mm-hmm. only well, a couple of months away from the start yes. of the W League mm-hmm. season, which means – two months maximum to get your team into order and see what's going on. Um, and around the world, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, we already talked about Emily Gilnick has moved, but uh, you had a new signing today, I think, that you talked about who has moved off to uh, Lazio.
1: Italy. Lazio. So uh, a complete shock. Um, Isabella, Isabella Folletta, who you may remember a couple of seasons with Perth Glory, last W League season was at Canberra United's, has spent a couple of years or I think three years in NPL New South Wales with Northern Tigers as well. Now she's she's off to Lazio and um, she is a defender. So uh, right back or left back. And uh, they may need her because I think it was pointed out in an article. I saw that Lazio just lost 8-1 to AC Milan. So, um, yeah, so a bit of a baptism of fire, but I wish all the best for Izzy who I uh, rated very highly. And I think... Feel like perhaps she hasn't gotten the W League appearances that she may have deserved over the over the years, but yeah, it's a great great opportunity for
0: Isabella Folletta. And it shows that maybe there's a bit of a relationship coming along with mm-hmm. uh, Lazio, as you mm-hmm. say, more correctly than I did, and Perth, because I think we've got uh, Carolina Maracci is there, and Nicola Williams. Williams sorry, if I'm getting yep. all my yeah yeah so there's a bit of a relationship there we'll see how that pans out we should probably talk a little bit about more results in football we've got mm-hmm. Stefan has joined the podcast thank you for joining us Stefan yes. but if you'll bear with us how about we whip through the the women's champions league results yeah. Eric did you want to take us through how that looks
1: the women's Champions League. there was a shock when I checked soccer way last week I mean oh well oh yeah we'll get to that in a minute. I'll- i'll do stefan's lovingly crafted notes in order but um ellie carpenter's leon defeated levante 2-1 to advance 4-2 in aggregate no surprises there um uh bk hacken and uh the, thanks for stefan uh, putting dylan holmes's name next to a slice of cheese hacken i may through. have done
0: that myself i'm getting oh, creative oh, yes.
1: in my hopefully next time it's the actual cheese emoji
0: stefan <laughs> you take all the credit whatsoever i don't mind
1: yeah <laughs> I'll yes. think. Yeah, but, um, so yeah, so BK Hacken uh, beat Volarenga 3-2. to they're, they're through as well, 6-3 on aggregate. It was easy as for Arsenal, which is, as it tends to be when you have Viviana Miedema. So Arsenal, Steph Catley, Lydia Williams, and Caitlin Ford are once 4-0 over Slavia Prague, 7-0 on aggregate. And then, of course, as we know, Sam Coase, Chelsea were automatically through to the group stage. So unfortunately, when you have winners, you have losers uh call for currently injured and that's why she missed out on the Ireland squad for the upcoming game against Australia um, her Glasgow City side lost to Servette 2-1 in the night 3-2 on aggregate um FC Rosengard, the team of Charlotte Grant and Tegan Micah, drew three-all in the second leg against Hoffenheim, losing 6-3 on aggregate. And, I mean, Manchester City got an awful draw. Um, So Manchester City, of course, with Alana Kennedy and Hayley Rasso, lost 1-0 to Real Madrid. They're out 2-1 on aggregate. That was, um, I I mean, it's always a shock when a team like Manchester City loses, perhaps less of a shock if it's against Real Madrid.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I I think I was quite surprised that that's who they were up against, but also the result, I would have thought that maybe they had a little bit more in the tank than that, but it just goes to show how Real Madrid are becoming a bit more of a power in football. I think Rosengard for me was maybe, I mean, I don't know as much about Hoffenheim, but I um I was hoping that they would get through, but we are not there yet. So I think we still see what is that, one two. We still have six Aussies left in in the in the um, Champions League, and the draw, the group draw, six. is actually scheduled tonight. So six. Did I say six? Or? Six.
1: Um. Are you counting Tessa Tamplin from Servette?
0: Uh no, I'm counting one two. Yeah. Oh, is there seven? Do I am yeah. I missing Tessa one?
1: Tamplin's at Servette? Because Servette, I mentioned they they beat Glasgow City. So okay. there was an oh, Aussie yes. need either side in that. So yeah, money right. top data well, notes. What?
0: have to absolutely update our show notes thank you very much for that now something that i'm not up to date with but the women's empowerment league in japan so the Wii league kicked off this this weekend we already talked about we wouldn't see alex chidiak until round two but did anyone catch a glimpse of that i saw definitely some of the promo stuff and it was pretty good particularly um, kicking kicking the football through the glass glass goals and all sorts
1: And um, there was also a tweet once again by Samantha Lewis. I should get the name the ne- that the glass was. Ugh, sorry, I the wonders of live broadcasting. I need to make sure I get the um, wording right. But she had mentioned. Ah uh, yes. Okay. Ah, yes. Uh, So I'll read Sam's tweet from earlier this morning. This is so cool. Generations of Japanese women footballers were invited to smash a symbolic glass panel whose shards will now be turned into the WE League's first trophy. That's quite the way to make a trophy. I love it.
0: Very nice. All right, moving on, and we look forward to seeing Alex Chidiak there. All by her lonesome in the um, We mm. League, but maybe there will be more as yeah, turning up yes. at, at some point. But moving on to the FAWSL, I did see only a bit of one of the games where we had Emily Gilnick was having a bit of a run, and, and I thought that they looked all right out there, but didn't come away with a win. I haven't got the results in front of us, but as I buy some time I for do. the moment, yep. oh, there Absolutely. you go, Eric takes take it away.
1: Stefan, did you? Did you watch any of the WSL?
3: Uh, bits and pieces, yeah. Watched bits. watched a couple of yeah. the games, or bits of part of, of a couple of games.
1: Yeah. So which one? Which ones did you watch? Because I I've I've just caught up and got with at least the goals for every game now. But
3: so I saw Emily Ginley on the park as well. Ah, yes. Game. Yep, yep. Um, I watched a bit of the Arsenal game last night. Not all of it. What
0: did you? What did you mm-hmm. think of your um, next run out there? Because I thought it was okay. Um, I, actually, I think it was better than okay. I thought that she was in amongst it. She's pretty new to the team. I think she demonstrated mm. that she's going to be a, a big player for them, I would hope, going mm. forward.
3: Yeah, I think she'd, I agree, Cheryl. I think she'd be happy with that outing. She got involved and um, was a threat. And the commentators also saw it that way and um, mm. really, really talked up her abilities and what she'll add to the side. So, yeah. Uh yeah, promising outing for family, I thought too.
1: Yeah. The one thing from Gilnick, uh, uh she was so for those of you that didn't watch, she was played kind of as, as the center forward for Aston Villa. Um, I mean, these are these are always the things when you're in a new team. I thought she was a bit too static. Gilnick, as we know, is at her best when she can kind of move around and run at defenders. I hope, you know, going forward that they don't just stick her in the center and tell her to stay still and aim the balls at her, that she's actually moving around. and Because, you know, if she drifts out to the wing, as we know, she's very dangerous there as well. So hope, hopefully Aston Villa will um, kind of uh, bring more of that into their play as uh, the season goes on.
0: Cool. Take us through the rest of the results, if you don't mind, Eric. Apart from yeah. me saying that Manchester City a uh, little bit of trouble for them still. Oof.
1: Yes, um yeah, we'll get to that Manchester City goal which was, you know, the Manchester City game. Um so uh, West Ham so I watched uh, West Ham Aston Villa which was the great timing as the only Saturday night game for us, for us in Australia and it was if you've ever um, listened to our friends at the Far Post and particularly West Ham fan Angela Christian Wilkes, you now understand a bit more of her angst whenever she watches West Ham because it was just another one of those games. They took the lead early on. It looked like they were going to win, but as Aston Villa started throwing basically the kitchen sink at them, they got deeper and deeper and deeper. And then Aston Villa equalized in the second minute of stoppage time with a very scrappy-ish goal. goal. And it was Remy Allen who scored the winner last week, came up with the equalizer this time around. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit rough for West Ham, but you know these uh, these things happen in football.
0: It's I also, the table interesting, though. I mean, yeah, it's a go, long yeah. season, but it definitely it is, keeps yeah. the table interesting.
1: Yeah. Um. So also Chelsea, and speaking of people with beyond ninety affiliations, having a hard time on the weekend. Uh, Dale roots his Everton team just uh, not at the races. Um. Against Chelsea. Also, shout out to Ben Gilby who um had a really good write up that we published this morning about. I mean his view of the Chelsea Everton game down at King's Meadow. Um, It doesn't help when Everton defenders lay the ball off straight to Sam Kerr with an open goal in front of her. That was, and uh, other than that, it was just, um, I know I kind of edited what he said. Uh, Ben said his original wording was uh, Chelsea finally opened the scoring after 25 minutes. So I just, I got rid of the word finally, because it sounds a bit silly, but if you watch the game, like, it was it boy, the only surprise was it took him, took Chelsea 25 minutes to score. It's yeah, it's uh, it's been a rough start for Everton, shall we say, that 4-0 loss. And also, I know people yeah. say
0: that the, the goal for Sam Kerr where you know it, it looked like it was just given to her, but Sam Kerr creates those chances yeah. as well. She's Absolutely. she's not sitting back, she's always pressing and she yeah. creates those opportunities. So nice yeah. nice on Sam to get herself a brace in in very early in the season.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there are mistakes, but your work forces those mistakes. That's a very good point, Cheryl. So another team that's had a slow start, uh, Birmingham uh, lost 5-0 at home to Brighton. And Brighton, so, I mean, firstly, let's look at the positives. Yes, um, seven scored, none conceded. Haven't played any of the top teams, but, I mean, you can only play who you play. And, I mean, this is early to say, but, I mean, in terms of that, if you so-called best of the rest if you want, so the best team are the best team beyond the big four of uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man- and the two Manchester teams. I mean, they've started very well. Uh, it's a bit of a rough, bit, bit rough for Birmingham, who uh, two losses and yet to score. But I mean, Birmingham really, there's we know there's one goal. Just don't finish last for them. That's they like like a few other teams. Birmingham just don't want to finish last. Um, like newly promoted Leicester were lost 3-1 to Manchester United. Ella Toon backed up her two great assists from the opening round with a, like a 25-yard screamer. I think um, Leicester City would be disappointed. I mean, you know, they all count as Dale, Dale Root says, they don't draw pictures on the score sheet, but Leicester will be disappointed that uh, two of the Manchester United goals were a bit scrappy, but credit to Manchester United for the win. Um, Arsenal, Basically, backed up from their 4 0 win midweek with another 4 0 win away to Reading. Uh, Just a lazy two more goals for Viviana Miedema, also goals from Beth Mead and Jennifer Beattie. And I am also pleased from a she plays perspective because that's another, uh, that Jennifer Beattie goal is another assist for Katie McCabe. So, and although, which is good because pretty much the rest of my team didn't play. So I think that's (laughs) all the points I will get. And then the final, the final game, uh, Manchester City. Yeah, well, if it's been as good a week as it's been for Arsenal, it's been bad for Manchester City, as we covered out of the Champions League, and then they kind of gave it up. They scored early uh, in the sixth minute through Lauren Hemp, so named, yet yeah, to against Tottenham Hotspur at home. And I've only seen the goals, but basically from what the commentary said, Tottenham equalized on the hour. And he basically, uh, the commentator basically said that was completely against the run of play. And then um, Tottenham grabbed it with a winner in the 86th minute. That is quite controversial because the Tottenham player, whose uh, name I can't remember, jumped up, very obviously handles across. It then deflects off a Man City defender, off the post, off the goalkeeper and in. And yeah, it's just um, so, I mean, uh, Manchester City with every cause to uh, feel aggrieved. But at the end of the day, it's a win for Tottenham Hotspur. And they are also two wins from two Spurs. Oh, and a solid hour for uh, Kaya Simon, by the way, was the other thing I had to say about that game.
0: Very nice. Well, good to see some good football kicking off there. And and they play two rounds of football and now they have a break because there's the FIFA international window, yeah. I think, coming it up. Is, and we yes. And we will see the Matildas playing next Thursday evening, next morning. Thursday morning. morning sorry. Um, so, yeah, not very far away. There's plenty of other football which has been on, but I'm conscious of time. And we better give Stefan some very rapid airtime, Stefan, if you don't mind, and then we'll jump into our Queens of the Week.
3: Okay, no worries. So just on the Nordic scene, um, all the all the Nordic leagues were in action on the weekend. Uh, There was no top Syrian action in in Norway, but there was a cup game between uh, both the teams that the Aussies are involved in, um, and it ended up as a 3-0 win to the home side uh, Lilstrom, LSK Kvinna, but neither Carly nor Nicola were playing. And uh, now there's a two-week break in all the Nordic leagues and the same as across Europe for the international break, and we're hoping we get to see both of them um, when they come back. So that's Norway. Uh, in Sweden, there was a full round, round 16. Um, so Rosengard had a 2 1 away win against Hammerby. Uh, Tegan played a full game, but uh, in, the, in the last minute, I think, she uh, tro- attempted a clearance and it didn't go so well. And uh, it basically gifted, I think, the, um, uh, the, the Hammerby goal. Um, but they still had a 2 1 win, which is great. Top of the league still. Um, Charlie Grant was on the card, but didn't get on the, on the park. And for Hammaby, um, Elise Kellon-Knight wasn't listed, and she gave an update during the week that she's dealing with uh, with pain, with chronic pain. Um, so obviously things haven't gone so well since she made that substitution for Hammerby more than a month ago, I think now. Um, and she said she's in for some surgery this week and is looking forward to to putting all that behind her. So we wish her all, all the best for that. Um uh, BK Hacken, Dylan, Dylan Holmes' team. They had a 2 0 home win against Oirebro, and Dylan was an unused sub. And they're now ten points clear of third-placed tuner so they're having, a, you know, putting a lot of space between them and the rest of the uh, competition. But they're six behind uh, Rosengard. So um, seventh-placed Vizio and Claire Pockyhorn is still there, but now by herself without Emily Gilnick. She played 90 minutes as they had a two-all away draw to Dier Gardens, um, which is a good result away. Um, and finally, Winona Heatley's team had a, um, a two-one away loss to third place Eskils-Tuna United when he was on the bench for the second game in a row, having played a few games before that. Um, the bottom of the ladder, but the last three games have been narrow one-goal losses, so... Um, they're, they're, they're thereabouts, so um, if they can persist and keep their spirits up, hopefully they'll, they'll see some uh, good things coming their way soon. Speaking of good things coming their way, over in Denmark, Fortuna hearing with the uh, four Aussies on board uh, had a strong 3-0 away win against top four side Bronby women. Uh, Angie and Claire both started and Indy came on for the final half hour. Alex Swinn was an unused sub. Uh, Angie Beard, though, after being named in the Matildas uh, squad for Ireland, was also named in the League Team of the Month for August. Um, so she's having a fabulous season over there in Denmark. And she spoke to a club media this week about her uh, Matildas call-up. She basically said that she was elated, but also said that it was... Um, reflective of her de- determination and hard work that she'd put in um, as far back as the the last W League season. So uh, good on you, Angie. Well done. Um, Jenna McCormick's team, AGF, had a 1-0 away win against the bottom side, Alborg, and Jenna played a full game. And uh, finally over in Iceland, the season is over. Um, first of all, Emma Checkend, who, who captained the side for the second half of the uh, season. Um, saw them through a bit of a rough patch towards the end and they were starting to come a, come a bit good again. Um, Selfos finished fifth and they had a rough uh, last game. They, they lost 5-0 away to the champions, uh, Vela Reykjavik. Um, but uh, now I think her leadership qualities there were recognised and she put in a good shift there. So uh, well done to you Emma over in Iceland. We hope the experience is a good one. And same for Aideen Keane, who um, made every post a winner, as we mentioned last week. She got on the score sheet, scored the final goal for K.R. Reykjavik in their 3-0 away win against uh, Grotta. Uh, They're champions and they're promoted, so she had a short but sweet season um, over there. I think she's there for about five games, but missed one with suspension. And She scored in every game she played, and basically the club can't have asked for anything more from her. And, uh, yeah, so she's going to come away from that with... uh, some good memories too, I think. So that's and it. Stefan,
0: yet I look at your Queen of the Week and she's not listed as your Queen of the Week. But anyway, hey, my own segue into Queen of the Week and I'll give Stefan a tiny wee break there um, as I throw to Eric and Eric can maybe go through your Queens of the Week.
1: <laughs> okay, so um, normally uh, we, I would like not to repeat a Queen of the Week from last week, but I have to this time. I saw on social media during the week that uh, Arsenal... Arsenal's uh, very own Kim Little received an honorary doctorate from the University of Hertfordshire for her services to sport and to football in particular. So um, that, for me, is um, automatic Queen of the Week. And from this day forward, I shall refer to her as Dr. Kim Little. Then the other one, and then sticking with England and moving down to the England 4th Division, Stefan will like this. So Abby Brown from English 4th Division side Leeds United, I missed this um, on the previous podcast, but two weekends ago, she scored an 87th minute winner to seal Leeds third consecutive win, taking them to to the top of the Women's National League Division One North. So so that's it. I finally got a Leeds United player into the Queen of the Week. Well (laughs) done to you, Abby Brown
0: oh well done and if anyone wants to give me an honorary doctorate i'm more than happy to receive one so just uh, throw uh, throw them out my way and maybe the guys if you've got any extra will share them around beyond 90 mm, stephan oh, you're i was lucky point... to get
1: a degree so i've got i can't help you there
0: <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, your queen of the week looks pretty impressive
3: yeah well it was hard to go past 18 but um yeah on humanitarian grounds i've given it to heather garyock this week uh, heather heather was involved in a um you know, basically a, a, a rescue mission. Uh, she helped organise for the um, for the taekwondo um, athletes, the Afghan taekwondo athletes over at um, over there, in, in with all the troubles in that country. So she got word from um, the. Hang on, who did she get word from? I'm just trying to. Here we go. She got a call from a referee, an international referee who's who's based in Melbourne. She got in touch with Craig Foster and got some advice on how to go about rescuing the group and then contacted the president of World Taekwondo. So just, for, just to, uh, for everyone probably knows that Heather Garrow is currently running Taekwondo Australia. Um, so the, the head of Taekwondo is also an immigration lawyer. So he, he got some papers together and they, they organised um, basically uh, a way to get the, the, the group out of Afghanistan And it was pretty hairy scary as you can imagine, but they um and they lost touch with the group for about two hours, which is a very uncertain time. But they got out, uh, got across into Pakistan and then um eventually through a trip uh, via Dubai to Darwin. So they're now refugees in Australia, um, and they'll be here for the next four years and they can become permanent residents, which is fantastic. There's one still over there, they're still trying to to um, to get back, uh, to get over here as well. Um, but well done, Heather. So, um, you know, um, just a fantastic thing to do for, for for people in that situation over there and uh, using your contacts in, in an amazing way. So well done.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for that, Stefan. And I think that's probably, well, quite possibly our best queen of the week ever. That's just a, a wonderful use of your capability Gary, we're really we're pleased, really pleased, to, pleased see to see that happen, that happen. in, in addition, addition to which if anyone wants to have a look at um women on side have a afghan football support network which they have set up so there are plenty of groups trying to do what they can to support the people who have been somewhat displaced by the taliban taking taking control of some of those key areas. So we wish them all the very best and and hope that they can get out safely. My queen of the week, I don't think I can top that, but two queens of the week really, or two, one and then a group. So a shout out to any of the um, fledging Matildas who've been called up to the training camp. And we do hope that you get... Um, some game time to maybe earn your first cap against the Republic of Ireland. And then the second Queen of the Week, getting in a little bit early with my pseudo birthday yeah, wishes to Sam Kerr, girl, who did celebrate a birthday just recently, but in theory, she's coming up to her 100th cap for the Matildas. And I think shortly after that, we might see Alana Kennedy, who's currently on 98. So we'll see her hit. 99 and then 100 soon as well. So shout out to Sammy, who also scored a brace this weekend in the FAWSL. So there's a big week in football. I'm sorry we haven't had a chance to go through a number of the other rounds in football, including in Italy, France, Scotland, Uh, and probably the USA, I think as well. So it's a big, big podcast, lots to get through, but please read through our show notes where we give you plenty of information of who's done what and the big week that we have in football. So On behalf of myself, Cheryl Downs, I'd like to thank you for listening in. Thank you to my co-hosts tonight in Eric and Steph. And also thank you very much to Kerry Harris for joining the podcast to talk about the Women in Football Leadership Conference, which is coming up next Thursday, the 23rd of September between 11am and 2pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Get your tickets. We'll send you a link for that one as well. And also just before I finish, um, probably just to reflect on a little bit of feedback that we've received yet again on our, oh, it looks like Eric's just didn't want to hear that feedback. Um, <laughs> a little bit of feedback that we've received from one of our listeners who said that, you know, it can be challenging how we sometimes dissect the the Matildas and um, not necessarily all positive content. So we'd like to reiterate that we certainly do promote the positive aspects of football and we'll be mindful of making sure that we continue to do that, bearing in mind that it's not a negative thing necessarily to Um, appropriately uh, deconstruct the games of football and, and to talk about learnings and whatnot. But we need to make sure that it's mindful. So yeah, very conscious of that. And thank you for your feedback. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye.